Welcome to the Marathon Podcast. The Marathon Podcast exists for the hard conversations centered around the truth that is God's Word. I'm here for those of you walking through challenging seasons, questioning God's character and love for you. I'm here to assure you that God loves you so much that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. I'm here to celebrate your victories with you, celebrate the joys in life. I'm here to share the good news of the gospel. I'm here to talk about Jesus. So with that, let's get into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Marathon Podcast. Oh, man. Man, I'm excited. <laughs> I am just excited because I this feels right. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? My name is Corey Nunez. I am your host of the Marathon Podcast. I am a little weird. I'm a little awkward. So just going to have to bear with me. I want to take this episode to introduce myself to you. So when I get a little weird and a little awkward, you just kind of see right through it because you feel like we're friends because we took the first episode and got to know each other. (laughs) And if you're listening to this and you are one of my friends, then you can just you know, enjoy the the awkwardness and the weirdness. You know, you've already been through this. Maybe you can give them some pointers. I'm just kidding. Anyways, my name is Corey Nunez. I am 30 years old and I live in Virginia. I haven't always lived in Virginia. I was raised in Maryland. I was born in Texas. I lived in Germany. I also lived in New York. (laughs) The final move was to Maryland. Just kidding. The final move was to Virginia. The second to final move was to Maryland. My, I think my parents probably thought that Maryland was the final move. And then it got a little built up and congested and they just really liked Virginia. So they moved here and I was a freshman in college. So then naturally I moved here too. Very glad that I did because I met my husband here. Anyways, let's start from the beginning. <laughs> let's rewind a little bit. I was not raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a home that was very caring and loving. I was raised in a home that taught core values of hard work, earn what you want, and that you are not given anything freely. I was raised by two military parents who taught me just the value of working hard. They taught me how to lead. They taught me how to follow They taught me how to be a good teammate, and they also taught me that nothing is going to come easy, so you will have to work hard to get it. Um, They valued education. They valued family. We took a lot of family vacations, and I am they're very fond memories in my childhood. I have two brothers. One is in the military right now. Um, He just finished basic training. I am super proud of him, and if he gets the chance to listen to this, Zach, you're the bomb and you're everybody's hero. (laughs) My older brother, Chris is amazing. He is like the protector Chris. You know what I mean? He's the protector older brother. My mom and dad are super awesome. They actually got married on Halloween, which is funny. (laughs) So happy early anniversary, mom and dad. (laughs) 
I love my family and I love my new family, my, my in-law family. I don't know how to say it, but I inherited another, another mother who is also amazing. And I inherited some sisters, my husband's sisters. They are incredible humans. I also inherited a brother-in-law. He's amazing. Very, very just encouraging to both my husband and I. And now this stage in life, we have a cute little niece and nephew, and we just really love our family. We value family. I think that is definitely something I have come to value and hold at a high regard over the last few years is family. So I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a good home. I will say that. I was raised in a good home. I had both my parents. Um, I had, you know, cool siblings and I had the typical, I had, I had a high school experience that was interesting (laughs) to say the least. I was a three sport athlete for some of the years in high school. My main sport was soccer and I did play soccer for 15 years and I played at the college level. And then after I transferred from West Virginia from a school in West Virginia. It was a junior college. I transferred from that school to VCU, and that's kind of where my soccer career ended. But I do love soccer. Every now and then I can kick around a ball, but I am getting old. So it's really not, it's it's not feasible for me to just go out and start playing again. I know there are some of you guys probably listening that played in a like pickup league that I was in a couple years ago, and you're probably like, wow, thanks, Corey. <laughs> my body is different, okay? I do love soccer. Anyways, I met my husband at the gym. I met him in the break room at the gym that we both worked at. I'm thankful, like I said, that my parents moved here to Virginia and that I was almost kind of like forced because I was a broke freshman in college and kind of like had to come back and live with my parents. I'm very thankful that I did. Because I met my husband in the break room at the gym. (laughs) We obviously, we weren't husband and wife then. But it was a, I started the conversation. Okay, I I was the one who started that. Um, And then I found out that he worked out at 4.30 in the morning. So your girl went to the gym at 4.30 in the morning. To your belief and surprise, your unbelief and surprise, I was not in the best shape of my life back then because now that I reflect on that season of my life, I did not know what I was doing. And really, I was just kind of standing around and potentially using machines that were near him. That doesn't mean that I knew what I was doing, (laughs) but it paid off in the long run because we've been together for over a decade. You know, I like to say over a decade because it sounds like really legitimate. You know, I mean, 10 years is legitimate. Being married for 10 years, being married for any length of time is legit. I just like the sound of of over a decade. When I was turning 25, I told people I was a quarter century old because that sounds cool. Tell me that that doesn't sound cool. Any hoozle. We met at the gym and to your surprise as well, he also was not a Christian. So he taught this class. What what was that class called? Somebody listening to this podcast who was in that in that class, please message me and tell me what it was called. 
strive. It was strive. That's what that class is called. It's, it's important. I have to say, I had to sit there and remember it for a minute. It was called strive. He taught this class. There is a very, very sweet woman in this class who invited him to friend day at her church. So long story short, he goes to friend day, but he goes to the wrong church. So then he kind of has to go back again to like redeem himself because he did, he was in a church, but he wasn't at the right church. And then shortly after that, as he was continuing to go to church and he knew it was a good thing and I'll let him tell his testimony some other time, but I was then invited by him to go to church and it took me a while to understand really what I was learning because I was very prideful and very insecure and honestly pursuing only the the relationship that I was in, which was with my husband, Tony. Well, all right. My boyfriend at the time, Tony, we were not married. <laughs> and that's the relationship that I was pursuing. That's the mindset that I had, uh, which is kind of like most young females who don't know Christ, that's what they pursue because that's the thing that they think will make them feel valued, right? So in my search of value, I was let down because Tony could not provide that value for me. So on December 18th of 2011, I gave my life to Jesus at Faith Baptist in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and I have never been the same since. And it was a beautiful day. (laughs) Um, I honestly don't remember much after that. I remember getting pizza. I do remember everything changing after that. And you don't think that you hear that it's like this radical transformation, that it's like a, it's your, you know, the old man is dead and then a, a new man is born and you're giving, you're given a new life. You're a new creation in Christ. And none of that really made sense to me until I accepted the Lord as my savior and surrendered my life to him. And then I started to realize that things that I didn't really care about before, I cared about a lot after that. Whenever I was hanging out with friends who wanted to drink, suddenly I felt very uncomfortable and I kind of declined the invitation because it didn't make me feel, it didn't feel right. But at the time, that's all that I knew that it was. I didn't realize that it was conviction. So, and that's how you know that you're, you know, living in the spirit because, and that you're living with Jesus and that your life has been transformed is that you're convicted about things that you may not have even thought twice about before. Anyways, so living my life as a Christian, trying to trust Jesus, my husband and I, I would love for us to have its our relationship to have its own episode because I think that that would be more valuable than me trying to sum it all up in this one. But basically, we kind of started backwards from what God actually intended the relationship between a man and a woman to be. So we were having sex before marriage and we were convicted and the Lord started stripping things away until it was just him and I separately pursuing God on our own. And that was what our eyes were fixed on. And then marriage. <laughs> that's when that's when that happened. We got married two years after we started dating. And then two years after we got married, 
we found out we were pregnant with our first daughter, Liana, and her pregnancy, her, her life alone is just a testimony of how God answers prayers. And I keep it in my filing cabinet, as I you'll hear me refer to, it's my filing cabinet of my God moments, because I need them in order to remember how good he is sometimes, because I forget, because I'm human. So, Liana, we had decided that we want, it was actually really, it was a really strange, it was a really strange way of deciding when to get pregnant. But for some reason, we had gotten into a conversation about visiting Disney. I told him we needed to go. And he said that like, we laughed it off because it's an expensive trip. There's no way us newlyweds, well, I guess we were considered, I had just graduated college. So (laughs) there's no way that we were going to be, uh, you know, putting any investment in a trip to Disney at all. And so I think in our minds, we thought we had more time, but God is funny in this way because we said, all right, when we go to Disney after that trip, that's when we'll start trying to have, that's when we'll start trying to have a baby. Well, my husband had just started a new job and lo and behold, this new job took us to Florida for a week. <laughs> it was a work trip, but we were we were there. We ended up going to Disney. And I kind of looked at him and I was like, wow, Jesus really does. He really hears everything you say. We got to start being a little bit more careful about this. <laughs> and it took us a long time to get pregnant with Liana. It, it was a long time to us, but I know, and I apologize for any insensitivity because I know there are people who have struggled with infertility for longer periods of time than what we wrestled with. And we didn't even struggle with infertility. It was just a matter of timing. It it felt like a very long time for us. It took us almost, almost eight months, seven to eight months to conceive Liana and I believe in that time, God needed to do some things in my heart and shift some things in my heart before we had a baby. But also this cool God moment that I have saved away for the future is that there was one leading up to, there was month after month of negative pregnancy tests. And leading up to this month, it was July. I was so discouraged and I remember at the time I was serving as a stage manager for our worship team. And I remember standing on the side of the stage and I was worshiping and I was sobbing and I felt like I heard the Lord say to me, this is your month. And I kind of blew it off at first, but it was always in the back of my mind. And I would bring it up every time I would have time with him. And I was like, well, I I just am, I'm nervous because if it's not my month, I heard myself and not you. And then I'm more upset. (laughs) So I just decided July 31st, I took a pregnancy test because I was like, all right, well, if he said, if it's him, then this is my month and this test will be positive. And I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. And so I saved that moment in the archives of my God things because it was a moment where I prayed, he answered He told me what he was going to do, essentially, and then he did it. And God is not a God that he would lie. And I think this was just very pivotal for me in my walk with the Lord, 
because I needed to, it was, it's something that will remind me forever. It'll be ingrained in my brain that when you ask God and he answers you or he tells you something or he reveals something to you, or, you know, you have a a dream of some, of something when he does anything of that nature, he's not a God that he would lie. He's going to finish what he started. He's going to finish the good work that he started. And he started the good work when Tony and I got married and the good work is still being worked out because we're still here on this earth. So the, the work is finished when Jesus returns and Liana, her name in itself means, we didn't know this at first. Her name means my God has answered in Hebrew. That's what her name means. Tony and I just got her name because we combined our mom's names, Lisa and Donna, and we thought it was really pretty. <laughs> but it turns out that it has a deeper meaning and it was actually very appropriate for her. And she's always going to be a reminder to me that God answers his children. He hears, he hears us and he answers us. We may not feel like we're hearing God answer, but we may only be tuned to our voice. And that's why it's so important to just rest in the Holy Spirit, to just rest in your prayer time, rest in his presence, to just sit in just kind of like soak in worship. And I recommend instrumental worship because then you have absolutely nothing to distract you. And just sitting in silence until you know that you know that you've heard him. And and then, and then you know, then you can discern these things. When you're clear of mind, you can discern the voice of God. Anyway, after Liana, <laughs> we had another child. <laughs> in 2018, in February, we had little Raylan Banks. She, her due date was actually Valentine's day, but she ended up coming a little, a couple days later and her name means beautiful lamb, which is kind of like a metaphor for sacrifice. And I think that all of my kids strategically lined up, (laughs) taught me something about life as I was, you know, going on. And I used to believe that the sacrifice that, you know, God was referring to whenever he like revealed the meaning of her name to me, or whenever I learned of the meaning of her name, I felt like the sacrifice he was speaking or maybe referring to was the sacrifice of like motherhood, like all the things you sacrifice when you're a mother. Uh, Cause mother postpartum has always been a little difficult for me mentally. However, I have learned and I'll get into this soon that that sacrifice refers to something different. The ultimate sacrifice is what Jesus did for us, but the sacrifice that I think he was mentally preparing me for was coming later. Not kid-related. Anyways, so sweet Raylan, she's four now. Liana's six. She's in first grade. She loves it. And then we have Raylan, who's four years old. She's a hoot, an absolute hoot. She would be a great guest speaker on this podcast. (laughs) And then shortly, well, within the same gap of time in 2020, we had Gwen. Gwen is the 2020 baby. (laughs) She's the, we survived having a baby in a pandemic, which wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. I'm not going to lie. I mean, everybody turned out fine. We're all okay. You know what I mean? Gwen's name is also has a very pretty name to it. We, her name is Gwen Riley. 
We picked that name once again, just because it sounded pretty. (laughs) We liked the way that it sounded. However, her name means blessed and valiant in Hebrew. And in 2020, due to the circumstance my family was in, which I will share in a moment, I knew that through Gwen, the Lord was trying to show me that the season that you're about to enter into will require great courage, but will also leave great blessing because of our obedience and continuing to do what God has asked us to do, even in difficult circumstances. It's going to require bravery. That's what I remember. It's going to require you to be brave. So, with all of that being said, now I would like to share what my husband and I do at the church. That's my family. That's my fam. I got three girls, six, four, and two. I have a husband, married for almost a decade. And through him, I was invited to the church, and that's how I met my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, what I do at the church, that's a whole thing. It's a whole thing, y'all. <laughs> my husband is the youth pastor, student ministry pastor at River of Life Church, and I serve alongside of him as his rib. I found a connection to the students, the high school and middle school students in like 2018, 2019. I started to see that I had a lot of things that my high school, middle school time frame had a lot of things in common with their high school, middle school time frame. that while we were in different eras and different years, we struggled with the same things. And the difference is that now I have a relationship with the Lord to reflect back on those things and understand how the relationship with the Lord makes a difference in how you walk through those things. So I enjoy the student ministry. I really enjoy, you know, getting a chance to get to know all the ladies and the young girls in the student ministry. They have big, big hearts, really big hearts. And 2020 has is through a loop for all churches in everywhere. But I have found that out of it, we created depth with our student ministry in a way where they trust us and they almost rely on us. They are comfortable with us to ask questions, to ask the hard questions, which I appreciate. And also at River of Life Church, I do the 411, which are our church announcements, which sounds very simple, but people make a big deal about it. I think that it's fun. People love it. You get the people what they want. You know what I mean? So that's what my husband and I do at the church. He is the student ministries pastor. I am his rib pastor. I'm just kidding. I'm just his rib. (laughs) Pastor rib. Just joking. I serve with him in the student ministry and I love it. And the Lord has had to do a lot of refining through me. Um, I've been very prideful and very selfish. (laughs) But when it comes down to it, I love the student ministry and I'm very thankful that I get to serve alongside of him because not many wives get that opportunity. And I I do feel this is a place that I can minister to the best of my abilities or, well, not the best of my abilities, more so the best of, I could give them Jesus. You know what I mean? So 
with that being said, I would like to share a little bit about my husband because truthfully, if it wasn't for what my family and I have walked through starting in 2019, this would not have happened, this podcast. It has been inspired by our circumstances and our situation that we're currently just enduring right now. It has been inspired by Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, to run the race with endurance. That is the race that's set before us. It has been inspired by a lot of the things that God has downloaded in me over the last four years that I feel somebody else out there in a similar situation or going through maybe the exact same thing could hear and it could lead them closer to him. And that is the end goal. Always the end goal of anything I do would be to lead somebody to Christ. I chose podcast because you can only hear my voice. You can't see my face. So with all of that being said, in 2019, in February of 2019, my husband, Tony, he was 27 years old at the time, was diagnosed with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. This is a neurodegenerative disease. It attacks the nerves in the body and the body has trouble communicating with, between the nerves and the muscles. Eventually, they kind of like divorce, so they stop talking to each other, they stop communicating, they don't function together, and you start to lose function in your limbs, and in you might have difficulty breathing. Some people, it affects their voice, like your vocal cords, because believe it or not, there are so many things in your body that are literally controlled by the nervous system, by your nerves that are neuro, that are neurological. So this disease is just heartbreaking. It is absolutely just awful. And my heart, I feel like my heart shatters in pieces every time I hear about somebody else in the ALS community just recently diagnosed or that ALS took their life. Some people just the way that it's changed their life and their daily living. It breaks my heart. It is a terminal disease. It has a life expectancy of two to five years. There is no cure for ALS. There is currently two prescriptions, one in the making. So soon there will be three, which is wonderful, wonderful news. The FDA just recently approved Emilex, which is a a very effective drug that will add to the life expectancy. However, this disease still remains terminal until more is done by the FDA. And it has changed my family's life. It has changed everything that we do. It has changed the way that we operate on a daily basis. And my heart kind of breaks for my husband sometimes when I see that he can't do the things that he's always done. I feel guilty sometimes when I work out, even though I know I need those endorphins in order not to explode 
which then also doesn't always happen. I'll get into that some other time. I just, I feel sad. That's the only way I I empathize with him now because we're in it together. And it has break, it has, it has shattered my heart to see how it has changed his life from diagnosis until now. He is walking into year four. Praise God. He's still with us. Um, and he's strong. He's resilient. He is resilient. And something else that can be praised that's worthy of praise, because everything that Jesus does is worthy of praise. His voice has been preserved. He has a little difficulty talking when it's cold outside, when he's tired, depending on something that he might have eaten, if he's dehydrated. So there are some factors that play into that. But because Tony's voice was not affected primarily, which is called bulbar onset, he had a limb onset. Tony can still speak and preach and teach to the students. He can still share the gospel. He can still minister to people. And I cannot wait until future episodes where I get to tell you everything that God has done through this disease. It's taken me a long time to be able to see what God is doing through this disease because I've really been stuck in just the mumbling and grumbling of my own self-pity. I know that sounds really bad, but I've really just been stuck in feeling sorry for myself and being mad that my life has changed and coveting those whose lives haven't changed, not realizing that circumstances are different and it, it every every family is different. So in totality, it would be, it's an understatement to say that our lives have changed. They are radically different since diagnosis. However, I have to say that the memories that we've created over the last four years are some of my favorite. We went on a cross-country road trip, which is very memorable, especially because at the time, my husband was using a walker, an upright walker, uh, to help to assist him like walking places and whatnot. So he needed some kind of leverage to help maintain his balance. And there was a moment where there was a, a day where we drove down route one in California. We drove all the way to San Francisco, California. We drove down route one and it was a beautiful, it's beautiful. If you ever get the chance to go out there, start in San Fran and drive down to like Monterey. It's absolutely gorgeous. And there was a path that I really wanted him to come out on because it just had the most beautiful view that I've ever seen. And I have to say, it was like my proudest moment (laughs) of him because he like got out of the car and he trucked it, man. He really was determined to get out there and he did it without his walker. And I will remember that forever. And I have pictures of that. (laughs) I took a lot of pictures that day. Um, and we've been to we've been to all all kinds of places all over the country not because of it's not because ALS has made us afraid or makes us feel like we have less time to spend together ALS has actually given us the gift of time together after 2020 when my husband was released from his job that means that he was home with us all the time and i don't know if there's a dad out there that wouldn't want to be home with their 
you know, his wife and kids. And it gave us the opportunity to, you know, go on trips and like go places and do things and see stuff and make memories that we probably have always wanted to make, but we never could because we were, you know, working to live like most of America. So I am thankful. I am thankful for the time that ALS has given us. And I don't believe it's taking time away from us. I believe that God is preserving my husband. There was a word that was spoken over us early in his diagnosis about a year in that God would preserve Tony. It was a word that was spoken specifically to me. And I believe it's because I was living in a lot of fear still. However, that word has, it's been written down multiple times. It has been used in multiple ways. I have heard so many different references to preservation that I truly believe I'm watching, I'm watching it happen. So all in all, we are full of thankfulness and gratitude we are still alive. He's still living. The mission is still in progress. And, you know, the work is not done until the Lord returns or calls us home. And through all of these, all through everything, no matter, like, even, even though he has a hard, he can't go anywhere without my help. And he can't, you know, get dressed without my help. He can't eat without my help. He still manages to be full of joy. And it's because his joy is rooted in Jesus, not in his circumstances. And that is encouraging to me because I'm often found as a happy person and happiness is circumstantial. Joy is supernatural. So that's hopefully, I hope one day that you get to hear him share his testimony, or maybe you hear him talk a little bit about ALS and, you know, what God's done with all of this for him on his side. And I look forward to getting into more of that down the road and what God's done on my side through ALS. I am his full-time caregiver. While I am not always an amazing caregiver, and I could definitely use prayer, (laughs) and I could definitely use help (laughs) from the Holy Spirit. I believe that this is purposed. And there's a, there's a reason why I'm the one. And I know that I was, I'm equipped for this and I can do this. So anyways, (laughs) just to start wrapping things up. Some of my favorite things. We'll talk about that. I'll get into the details of our life prior to ALS and things of that nature as they come about. Um, I just really wanted to spend this episode just getting myself out there. <laughs> and by that, I mean like you getting to know me so that you felt a little bit more comfortable when we do have difficult and hard conversations. So just to wrap things up, (laughs) some favorites of mine. Let's see. I love tacos. 
I love tacos. I love sushi though. Sushi and tacos. Those are those are big for me. Those are like big things. And another reason why I love Arizona is because there's a restaurant that serves both. Isn't that wild? It's so good. I love Arizona. <laughs> I love cactus. Cacti? I'm just going to say cactuses because cacti sounds weird. You can correct me later. It's fine. Um, I love the show Friends. I'm obsessed with Friends. I could quote it from season one, episode one, season 10, final episode. I could quote it. And it's sad that I can do that, but I love Friends. And my people know how much I love Friends that when they see things Friends related, they get it and they give it to me. That's how much they know. I love Friends. It's amazing. It's amazing. My mom, for one of my birthdays, I believe that it was right before I had Raylan, she uh, bought me the box set, the complete series season, like complete seasons one through 10, the whole series of Friends box set because Netflix had just taken it down. And I was so upset because I watched all 10 seasons in two weeks after I had Liana and I was really looking forward to doing the same thing with Ray. I know that sounds redundant, but I love friends. I love friends. What can I say? I don't know. I know that's a, that's a thing. And it probably doesn't, it probably bothers some people. Some people probably don't care, but I love friends. Also, I used to be a cycle instructor. I used to teach cycle. It was called RPM. I taught it at American Family Fitness, and it was a really fun class to teach, and it really ignited my love for cycle. I'm currently sitting in my office recording this, in which there is a stationary bike behind me. I love I love to cycle. I don't know why, because you're kind of just like running on a, like you're on a, on a wheel, basically. You're not going anywhere. You're just cycling in place. I don't know, but I love it. I love to cycle, and I in the past have run five half marathons and one full marathon, which I'm very excited to share that story with you in the next episode. I think that you will enjoy hearing that. (laughs) So that's all for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed getting to know me. I hope that one day Somehow the podcast world has some feature where I can get to know you too. (laughs) But until that day, thank you for listening to my story from start to finish with a little bit of stuff missing in between, and I'll fill it in later. I really appreciate you guys. I'm really thankful that you've tuned in to listen to the Marathon Podcast. I look forward to future episodes with you Next week is going to be a good one. I'm going to explain the name of the podcast. You don't want to miss that. So tune in next week. I can't wait for that one. I've already gotten started on it. So before we leave, I would like to pray because my goal in anything is in anything that I do is that somebody, anybody would get to know Jesus Christ as their savior. That's my goal in everything that I do. So even though this episode may not have been full of scripture or any of that, I want to pray because anybody who's listening, whether you know Jesus or not, I just pray that he would come into your life and transform your heart the way that he did mine. Because I was not raised in a Christian home and I was 
I have a, a very checkered past of relationships and whatnot. I was on the insecurity train, but Jesus, Jesus transformed my life. He transformed my life and he made me into something, somebody new, somebody new. And I have not looked back since I've, I've, I've questioned myself, (laughs) but I have not looked back and I have never regretted giving my life to Jesus. So I'm going to pray for all of the listeners out there. If you are, if you have a relationship with Jesus, please join me in praying for those listening who may not. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this platform, Lord. And I thank you for your, your nudge to release this podcast. God, I pray that you would move in the hearts of all of those who are listening. I pray that they would hear your voice through this podcast, Lord, maybe drown me out and let your voice be louder than mine. I pray that you would be able to translate things for them, God, that they would understand your word clearly. I pray that if they don't know you, God, right now, wherever they are, they would have an encounter with you. In, in whatever, wherever they are, they would just encounter you right now and they would feel the supernatural presence of, of God. They would feel your supernatural presence right now, wherever they are. I pray that you would just reveal to them what Jesus has done on the cross for us, that he came to this earth as a baby, that he was God in the flesh, that he lived a sinless, spotless life, went to the cross to die for our sins, which was a debt that we could not pay. And then he rose three days later. God, I pray that you would reveal these things to them. Lord, I pray that they would give their their lives to you. I pray that they would be renewed and transformed in the name of Jesus. Lord, I, I just pray that you would do what only you can do through the lives of those listening. God, I thank you for being so sovereign and kind and gracious. I thank you for being such a loving father. And I, I thank you for moving in my life the way that you have. Lord, and I pray that you would move in the lives of all of those who are listening. In Jesus' name, amen.